Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Smiley Dorian, (laughs) who's making faces at me, and Zicky Rodriguez is here as well. That's me. The gang's all here. And uh, so, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of launch into a very serious topic. I do want to tell people at home that we're going to talk about uh, abortion. We're going to talk about Roe versus Wade. We're going to talk about uh, all the goings on that we've uh, we've witnessed uh, and et cetera, et cetera. So, if it's a topic that you think might not be appropriate for certain listeners or yourself, please, this would be your opportunity to boop, press the button and uh, hit pause and go to another podcast Med- or somewhere. Meditate or meditate. Actually, pray. There you go. No, let's all yes. pray. So let's let's talk about what like I guess what we are. Seeing and experiencing, I, um, I, I also want to sort of let people know that this particular episode of uh, the Catholic Cafe is has been pre-recorded. We we recorded this ahead of time. We don't. I don't know that when when we recorded this show. I don't know whether or not the Supreme Court has announced their decision officially. Mm-hmm. All I know is what we did know when we recorded is that there was a leaked. Uh, draft opinion right. that came from Justice Samuel Alito that has obviously sent shockwaves through the country uh, in, in uh, political arenas and certainly into the homes uh, of uh, everyday citizens and lots of discussion and, and et cetera, et cetera. And we thought we would want to do some commentary. But the angle I think that we're going to come from here is um, let's assume that the leaked draft was at least fairly representative of what the Supreme Court was going to decide. Mm-hmm. We don't know that that's what's happened or is going to happen. Um, and these are common things. These drafts, they, they circulate amongst themselves, I guess, as part of the process that Justice Samuel Alito is not necessarily uh, writing the majority opinion. Right. right? We don't know that. Uh, but this is just something that gets, uh, and there's, so there might be other uh, uh, drafts of opinions that are floating around, and I assume there are. But this one got leaked, and we could talk about the the conspiracy theories about who leaked and why they they leaked it. And I, we could talk about that all day. We don't. That's all conjecture, and it becomes. Uh, conspiracy theory, right? I mean, I do have my tinfoil hat on just in case. I'm sure you sh- and you should. <laughs> you should wear it anyway. Um, uh, but I, I think what we're going to look at here is like what what is the world going to be like? I should say, what is the country going to be like uh, in a in a post row country? What is it going to be like living in post row America? Um, and uh, th- there's lots of places we can go with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those that I, I think maybe we can where we can start is to say that um, I think we need to be clear about what actually happens if the Supreme Court does indeed overturn Roe v. Wade and also the uh, uh, the Casey the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision, which is also in Samuel uh, Justice Alito's uh, draft. You know that that also would go out the window, and so a, a lot of people think like, well, that's the end of abortion. 
in America, right? And so you have people doing like in one one camp you, you have a, a a happy dance, and then in the other camp you have an anger dance, you know. And all of a sudden there's this uh, posturing and, and upsetness, and and all the stuff we see in the media. Uh, really is uh, focused on going back to back alley abortions and 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 uh, and uh, taking away you know codified uh, rights of women. All these there's like there's a lot of stuff that's being said that well, I, I guess we want to be clear about like what actually happens right uh, when if and when this uh, this uh, draft opinion if it were to be true. Um, first of all, abortion would not be illegal in the United States of America. It would become a state issue. So so that's uh, just to be clear, there are states in the United States right now that have laws that say that abortion is legal in that particular state. Mm-hmm. New York, California, there's several states that have laws that allow abortion to take place in their state. And there are also several states that have no laws for or against and then they have there are states that where there are laws that are against or that uh challenge uh and like uh we live in one tennessee yeah uh would so that if the supreme court um threw out roe v wade abortion would be illegal in the state of tennessee well in, in michigan there was a law from 1931 that was thrown out when roe came in right but it would be now reinstated reinstated exactly. so there's lots of that kind of stuff but the truth is so everyone understands uh based on what i've understood and I'm, I'm not a legal scholar but based on what i've understood is that this then becomes a state's rights issue so states independently and individually Right, because we're essentially a, a, we're not a, a, a true democracy in the sense that one man one vote. That's one man one vote in one state, and then that state then uh, has laws that are essentially effective for that state. Uh, but then when things get federalized, like a presidential election, that's why we have an electoral college, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if uh, abortion Roe v. Wade is overturned. It just means that the Constitution does not provide um, for the right to have an abortion. It's, that's what they're saying, which would then mean it's up to the states to decide. So abortion will not become illegal except in certain states. Right. Right. So like originally with Roe came off the heels of prior opinions that talked about the right to privacy and this was done in different contexts such as like contraception actually was you know a major example of that and so um, Roe v. Wade you know created rights out of the right to privacy that was created out of prior decisions and so some people are saying well gosh why isn't there why isn't this just outlawing abortion like they didn't actually you know, they say it was a right that was until viability, but it didn't actually confer like a fundamental right to life for a child at viability. Right. You know, and in the same way, they're not that like the court is not addressing like does a when does life begin? You know, does it have uh, does that does that unborn child have a- any fundamental rights? It's it's simply saying we're undoing. What Roe did and what Roe's progeny like Planned Parenthood v. Casey did. Right. Which is why what, what you start to see is like the 
uh, I'm not going to say it's a dialogue right now in the United States, but essentially the the, the screaming and yelling and the upsetness, the 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 anger and and the things that are being sort of launched out there is what's going to happen. Why most of them are incorrect is because essentially what's happening is anytime anyone sees uh, Roe v. Wade going away, they they mistake that for. Um, all of it going away. All of it going away. And that's not what the mm-hmm. Supreme Court's doing. Um, so the reason I, I bring all that up is because I think I think that even some Catholics and you know uh, uh, are, are confused about what would happen. And so you have some people saying, I saw lots of social media where it's like, please, God, let this be true. Let this, uh, the, a, a prayer to the Almighty, you know, I don't know if you reach Twitter or not, but the, but the point is, it's like, you know, praying that, uh, that that Justice Alito's opinion was was genuine and and it reflected what the court was going to do, um, and and there were people saying, please let this be true, um, and and there's almost a sort of a celebratory like it's a it's a victory. Now I I want to be clear on two things. One is this show is undeniably anti-abortion. We are against even the concept of abortion and we believe that life begins at conception uh, and, and all the way is is uh, uh, up until a natural death. So the, the classical true vision and view of, of life and so we're pro-life here at the Catholic Cafe. We always will be. We follow uh, the, the teachings of the church uh, in every way and that's, that's, that's a primary one. So I want to be clear about that, but then also I want to be clear that we think it's a good thing that Roe v. Wade goes away, right? We think that that's it was a, a it was a decision made uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not a legal scholar, but in error, uh, and so I just want to be clear about those things as we discuss this because I don't want people to think that like we're we're thinking it's okay that Roe stays or doesn't stay. I just don't look for abortion to to disappear. Yeah. When 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 that happens, because uh, you know, if that happens, because that's that's we still as Catholics need to be fervent in our prayer and fervent in our belief. Uh, we still need to. Uh, I mean, the like Planned Parenthood isn't going out of business anytime soon, mm-hmm. right? And so they'll still be doing what they do. Uh, they have to change their operations. They may have to do other things, and then we're going to see insidious. insidious um, Plots and ways in which people are still going to find ways to procure abortions through, uh, like, uh, corporations. Certain, uh, we'll call them woke corporations, are are now promising to pay for, uh, you know, people to travel to another state mm-hmm. should their state not allow. So it's not like abortions going away. So we still need to be fervent uh, in our prayer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and um, and you know, I don't know. I don't know what I would feel in the if when 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 an announcement happens. Usually, these things happen in in June of uh, any given year uh, when the the Supreme Court, especially these big challenging cases, they'll announce all the opinions you know towards uh, end in, in June sometime. And I, I don't know because of this leaked document. Maybe they'll do something different. And who knows? By the time you hear this, they may have announced uh, one way or the other what they're going to do. Uh, but the fight is still real. Well, and and I think that one thing that we need to think about, if we're looking at the church, and what does the church look like in a post-Roe world? And what does the call upon the church look like in a post-Roe world? Because, you know, 
we've reduced a lot of this stuff to just like politics, to law and yeah. politics. But this is a fundamentally a human issue, right? And um, you know, the, there's a lot of pain and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of anger and a lot of fear that's out there. Okay, from the people who are you know hardcore pro-choice, and the fact of the matter is, their heartbreak is real, their anger is real, their fears are real. And these are folks who are coming at this from a completely different perspective than we are about the reality that this, you know, you know, child at conception has a soul, has life, right? Like, yeah. and so um, instead of you know beginning there, which is where we begin, you know, folks on the pro-choice side are thinking in terms of uh, what's the effect that this is going to have. On the lives of these women, uh, you know, when, when they're forced to go through with uh, a, an unwanted pregnancy or a crisis and pregnancy, right? What's the effect on the children? What's the effect on society? Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, the church does have to step up. Right. We have a heightened call of radical love upon us. the The worst thing that we could do as a church is to look at this as a time to rest or to gloat or to give in to the us versus celebrate. them. To celebrate or give in to that us versus them divisiveness. Yeah, or anything I, like I that. saw a great uh, somebody who posted who I highly respect, um, and and he posted that. Uh, that we don't need to look if if indeed this is what happens if yeah. indeed that that Roe v Wade is overturned we don't need to look at this uh in triumphalism mm-hmm. we need to look at this as as a mother right as a mother would who whose whose son came back to the faith or something like that where they were outside now they're in, in, in so with the love of a mother and that that's that's a beautiful sentiment and that's what we need to do and that kind of speaks Sam to what you're talking about with this idea of we really need to step up. We the, the Catholic Church and those who are pro-life do an incredible job of helping and assisting in uh uh and and um uh you know problem situations in uh sometimes unwanted pregnancies but in 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 really in challenging pregnancies and uh, and the church really steps in and pe- cuz a lot of times some people will say that like you're just you're just pro birth you're not pro life right right that's you're one just of the arguments right that's one of the arguments and it couldn't be further from the truth from the truth i don't know anybody that that i'm associated with that is pro birth in other words like i don't care once once i get born well the challenge is the rubber's getting ready to meet the road you can say that all day long but when that kid finally shows up what are yeah. you going to do right yeah. and poli- you said politics was is um, local or you didn't say politics; it's not political. But yeah. po- but politics is local, and this this whole thing is is local, yeah. and it hits us right where we're standing, and so it's real opportunity. Yes, absolutely. So when we encounter crisis pregnancies, when we encounter situations that, uh, uh, and we're we're helping uh, a, a young mother who's in distress, uh, you know, carry her child full term uh, to give birth to that child, and then to care for that child afterwards. Um, that's what we do, right? Well, we need to do it more. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, well, well I, think, it's here. I think that there's an argument too. You know that if you look at the the, the moral theology regarding like a sin of omission, right? So what might be regarded as a sin of omission in a normal course 
of life is different than what might be uh, regarded as a synonym of omission in extraordinary circumstances. So, like, let's like let's say you're in Nazi Germany, right? And let's say you're a faithful Catholic, and you're not on board with the policies of Nazi Germany. And there's a family similar to Anne Frank's family who is seeking shelter in your home. Okay. Now, am I saying that you're some sort of an automatic sin of omission to not open your home and provide shelter? I'm not saying this to cast judgment on individual people in history, but mm-hmm. I am saying that I think that it's it, if you were placed in that situation as a faithful Catholic, I do believe there's a heightened duty to at least ask yourself tough questions. Do I need to do something very hard right now and put mm-hmm. myself at risk for what I believe? Right. And I think in the same regard, if you have you know, potentially millions of, of women and millions of babies who are being born and uh, in these situations that, yeah, it might be the case that it needs to become 10 years from now the norm for, you know, Catholics to be adopted, you know, opening their homes up to women with crisis pregnancies, to opening their, their hearts up, to adopting more and more and to and pouring out what they have. Uh, to give material support on a scale that's never happened before, mm-hmm. you know, because we have to roll up our sleeves if we really want to bring about a culture of life. Right. And it's going to be really, really hard, especially in this current political climate, because right now the church is regarded as enemy, right? We're regarded as someone as a group who has done something very bad, right? To um, very important rights, you know, is, is that, that, that's how we're perceived. So as a result, we're actually, arguably, we're about to be on a, on the cusp of something where Christ is about to sort of be re-crucified, right? Yeah. You know, or the church is about to be pointed to as an institute of repression, and this is going to be a, a salient example of that, right? Well, so with that that hatred and with that resentment, we have to still step into that faith, that space, right. even if we're hated, even if we're getting spit upon, cursed, resented, almost, and love almost them. all the more, all the more, right, right. and love them. I right. know the uh, recently that uh, that that group uh, Ruth sent us or whatever mm-hmm. the ones that wear the Handmaid's Tale outfits and yeah. kind of show up at protests, and um, I, I think they put out some kind of uh, uh, messaging that said something to the fact that you know you can pray you know with your rosaries or whatever, but said basically we'll continue to do what we're doing it's like we'll we'll burn the eucharist they said mm. i mean it's like those that phrase i mean because that that's someone who i'm i'm going to i'm going to guess former catholic i'm a, i'm a guess someone knows what we view about the eucharist so it's almost like try to hit them where it hurts the most oh yeah right because you don't typically hear that phraseology so that's why i think some of this stuff is just really it's uh i'll just say satan loves it Right, I'm not going to say anybody's possessed or whatever, but but some of this stuff is demonic. Some of this is like that's a supernatural fight right yeah. there. Burn the Eucharist, uh, you know, and and they they said they're going to do that because of the the history or I don't remember the exact phrasing. The history of uh, oppression and the evil that the Catholic Church has done. I mean, we get painted that way all the time, right? Uh, you know, Tom, you know the truth. Sam, you know the truth. I know the truth. The problem is not enough people know the truth or want to hear the truth, right? And we live in a culture right now that does not listen. There's, 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 there's not a lot of discussion going on well, out there. Well, they don't listen. They also don't know what to listen to. They don't know what to believe anymore. And this so is the true. best way to communicate is what Sam was talking about love. to me, which is love, which is action. Yeah. It's action. You can't, you know, we can't buy into that, whatever they're going to attack us with. You can't uh, turn our backs at this point, Sam. You have to step up 
Well, I think we have to ask ourselves some tough questions as well in terms of how, how have we individually been sort of, let's say, part of the problem of bringing about, bringing about a culture of death. You know, one of the reasons that you have this culture of death is, you know, we've, we've addressed in previous radio shows, consumer culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like groups like Planned Parenthood sell abortion as something that, it, you know... Um, the, 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 you know, a woman's uh, fertility is, is treated in their in their branding as a problem that needs to be suppressed because it gets in the way of a woman's ability to compete in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? We need to start rethinking uh, consumer culture. We need to start rethinking. Uh, there are ways in which you can accommodate a woman and her needs as a mother in the workplace that are not being attended to mm-hmm. as well. There's a lot of things that we need to start rethinking about ourselves. When people are pointing fingers and shame at a person who's a young, let's say a young woman who has a teenage pregnancy, you know, right there, we're, you know, we have to ask ourselves, wait a second, are we a part of the problem where that woman feels like she can't step into the light? Right. You know, like. But even if we're not actually pointing fingers and saying, you know, you're putting a scarlet A on some. Uh, you know, on somebody and claiming that she's an adulteress or whatever. I don't usually see a lot of that um, happening in my local parish. What I think happens, though, is people, those particular people who find themselves pregnant, who are either unwed or in a, in a crisis pregnancy of some sort, don't feel welcome, right? Right. And so what we need to do is figure out how to make people feel welcome. Because I think genuinely, Tom, I don't know what you encounter like when you're going to Mass. Um, if I, The people I encounter really are loving. They really are very they generous. Are. They don't always know how to, like like where to give their time, their prayer, their their money, whatever. Uh, uh, but but I, I just, I think that we have to step up that idea of, hey, this is the place for you to be. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing to think about is, you know, I pose this question to you. If we look at salvation history, if we look at the Bible, if we look at the history of the church, is there any evidence that God is going to rely upon the law for the eradication of an evil, right? He uses the law, but does he rely upon the law as an eradication of evil? The answer is no. If that were the case, the Ten Commandments would have been enough. Jesus wouldn't have not have had to take on flesh, step into the muck of our human existence, suffer and die for our redemption. The, you know, but if his law is not sufficient, our laws are also not going to be sufficient, mm-hmm. right? And so if that's the case, then, you know, ultimately, it's not to say the law doesn't matter, but it's not the bigger part. The bigger part has to be the state of love, the state of our love. And if we sit here and we think, oh, you know, we did our part, we voted for this or that politician who's a part of this or that party, and they promised that they would, you know, make sure that this kind of judge was elected, and so I did my part to fix this stuff. Good for us, we're done. Good for us, we're done. And if we think that God is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and he's going to join us in pointing fingers at the women who are caught up in these situations, we got another, we're going to have a rude awakening on the, on the day of judgment. I will say this, Sam, that, that, that during that little, very passionate little <laughs> speech you gave there, your finger was pointed the whole time. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> it was. We won't say to who. <laughs> um, so, but, but speaking of, of law, uh, and uh, you know, essentially uh, uh, writing laws and thinking that changes anything. The honest truth is, even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, um, and even if you legislate, like you've heard the expression, you can't legislate morality. Um, the the problem is uh, that even if 
if legally everything goes the pro-lifers way, there are still hearts out there that are unmoved by that. In fact, maybe emboldened to go further and that are angered. And there needs to be conversion, right? There needs to be genuine conversion and, and, and law is not going to do it, mm-hmm. right? So having enough votes, as you point out, having enough legal representatives making laws and passing laws is not going to change the hearts of the people uh, that are on either side of a divisive issue like abortion. Right. So we have to. We, that's why it's so uh, incredibly important that you recognize this this whole thing about the Ruth Sinus, uh, you know, burning the Eucharist. That, that's a supernatural waging of war. And so we need to realize that that we need to call upon the supernatural to to overpower the evil, the bad that 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 people are not maybe even unwittingly delving into that this is a supernatural battle but our, but our battle is not with flesh and blood it's with the powers and principalities of hell yes. and the devil wants to distract us and the devil wants us to look at those people and 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 call them enemies even if they call us enemies right. and they say that they hate us we are not to respond by in kind right. you know we are called to turn the other cheek we are called to Step into that space to do the best that we can to witness Christ's heart to and him, to, to get on the cross. Him. Yes, I mean that's what we're called. Yes, if and they, they, if they cross us, yeah, that's, yeah, and that's that's not easy. So I, you know, um, I, I I do hope and pray that Roe v. Wade is overturned, uh, but but that's really just the beginning of a long and sort of uh, maybe even painful uh, and maybe even martyring. <laughs> kind of experience that we're going to but that we're, that we're in for um in the united states and in the world but it's only it's a battle can only be won uh by god right and really if we stop and think about it it's already been won but jesus dying on the cross won that battle it's just we just got to catch up we just got to realize that because in heaven everything's out of time right everything's happened is happening and will happen at the same time and it's hard to think of it that way but but in reality you know that battle's already been won by Jesus Christ, and we just need to like basically take the 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 strength from that victory and apply it. But really, what the strength of that victory is is love. What mm, Jesus yep. did on the cross was in love for love to create love and to share that love. And so that's when we when we die on the cross, it's not like oh poor pitiful me having to die for all of you miserable saps out there. It's not that. It's love. I love you so much that I'd be willing to do this for you. Right? Total self-gift. Even though you hate me. Yeah. yeah. Right. And there's there's going to be a lot of hate. There's going to be a lot of hate and a lot of anger. Yeah. Uh, and so I just keep your heads about you. Keep your wits about you. But really keep your Lord and Savior close to you in all of this process. And let's ask the Blessed Virgin Mary the first pro-life person <laughs> on the planet uh, to, to lead us in, in all of this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff.com at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.